Welcome to our new podcast series, Round Rock Sunday Sermons. My name is Brad Britton, Senior Pastor at First United Methodist Church of Round Rock. We are so glad you've connected with us. You can connect in different ways through social media, through our live streams on Facebook or YouTube, our website, fumc-rr.org, use hashtag fumcrr. Also, please leave a five-star review. We are here to walk with you and look forward to seeing you soon, however you join in. In the very near future, we'll be adding community missions to these podcasts, so stay plugged in to find out how you can help. We want you to know that we want to get to know you, to connect with you, and be the church where you can plug in and grow in your faith in Christ. And so thank you. We welcome you, and let's take this journey together. of the the podiums here, but why did you come here in 2024 and get up early in the morning to make it to church? I mean, the Cowboys are playing later today, so maybe you're here to pray for a miracle to happen that they win, and if you are, we'll pass the plates around again. Maybe that will help them out, but why do we get up and come to church on a Sunday morning? I mean, some of us may do it because that's what we've always done, and if you grew up a household like me, On Sunday mornings, you go to church. It's what you always do. Or maybe it's because this world is a little chaotic. There's a lot of things that just, you watch the news, you hear on the radio that are just disturbing. And so you want a little consistency in your life. So you find your parking space, you always find, you always sit in your regular seat, Kara, and you find comfort in that. You know the, the music's going to be phenomenal. The worship service is going to be meaningful. And you're going to maybe leave a little spring on your step. Most sociologists say we go to church for maybe two reasons. After the post-industrial world, they divided our experiences in two different spheres, both a managerial sphere and a therapeutic sphere. It's a fancy way of saying work and play. We get up on Monday mornings, typically. We go and challenge I-35 traffic. We deal with our bosses and coworkers. But there's a type of not being our full, authentic selves when we go to work because it's competitive. We want to be number one. We're competing against our competitors, maybe even our coworkers, for the next promotion, the next bonus that we really want so we can go on a great vacation somewhere but it's really stressful. So you have the therapeutic, our our play side, where we get to let our guard down just a little bit, have fun, maybe be a little more authentic of who we really are at home, both the, the positive and negative sides of that. But there's this tenuous experience between our play and our work. Because many, many of us had some time off these past couple of weeks, so we're trying to get reoriented to working that, that nine to five, that 40 plus hours a week that we're so used to. But we need a little break from that hustle and bustle. But we can't play too long because then our, our work is going to suffer. So it's hard to find that balance in our lives sometimes. But what does that have to do with church and the scripture we just heard? 
most Americans see what we're doing right now as therapeutic. We come to church because, well, it makes us feel good. We get our Jesus fixed, then we can go out and do what we need to do of the rest of the week. We segment our lives to this really feel-good feeling. I mean, church, hopefully you come and leave and you get a joyous experience that the Holy Spirit moves in your life. But church is more than that. Church is more than just getting a good feeling. It's bigger than that. God is moving our lives more than that. I used to have a professor in undergrad. He'd write on my papers, dig deeper. What we are doing here is transformative. Taylor did an excellent job last week talking about John the Baptist, the John the Baptizer. He was preparing the way for Jesus. But this locust eater gets to do something that no other human would ever get to do. He gets to baptize Jesus. But I think we have a watered-down understanding of really what baptism is. Sometimes, pun intended, some of us think that baptism is just this checkmark we have to do in our Christian walk. Once I do get baptized, then it's all over. Then I can go about my life. I mean, we have several families, and this is not a guilt trip, who will come here, get their child baptized, and then we'll never see them again because check, they did what they were supposed to do. But what if baptism is a little more than that? I mean, it's certainly a time where we can get in front of other people and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord, and my sins are forgiven, and I'm made, a new, made into a new creation. The early church really understood this. Baptism was something so radical for them. To say that Jesus is Lord and not Caesar could bring death to their lives. It was a total change of identity. I understand it this way. A friend explained it to me this way. I was born David Kenneth Johnson. I was born to the Johnson family. It's part of my identity and who I am. I'm also part of the little family. My mother's made a name. It's part of my DNA, part of my identity as well. I was born in California. And so that makes me an American. I wish I was born in Texas. I was, it makes me a, an American citizen. Those are my identities of who I am as a person. But when I came to the waters of baptism, I put to death that identity that I had before. Those are still important part of who I am, but at the forefront is my identity in Christ. In order to become a new person, a new creation, a new people, who's not defined by Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, we are one in Christ. And it sounds really weird and unusual in our world today when the world tries to bombard us of who we are, what we need to look like, or what you need to be by to be somebody of worth. I have this new identity here. Those of us who have been baptized have this new identity in Christ. And that means we're stuck together as a family in Christ. That our identity is not in the country, but in the kingdom of God. It's who we are as a people. It's really hard to understand. And the people in scripture had a hard time understanding it when Jesus said, hey, my mother and father are not really my mother and father, but you people who I've been baptized with are my true brothers and sisters. You don't understand really how radical it is until you understood what happened at Pentecost. That goes beyond the boundary of language and nation and tribe to build a new people. The people of baptism took on a new identity in Jesus Christ. 
So this morning, before we do baptism, before we do communion, we're going to remember our baptism. How many of you remember when you were baptized? Yeah, a few of you. I don't really remember when I was baptized. Ironically, I was looking for a Bible for someone, and I found one that I had got as a child, and it had my baptism date, December 23rd. I don't remember that. I don't remember actually who was there. No, my parents were there. Maybe some other family members, some pastor in some church poured water on my head when I was eight or nine months old. But remembering your baptism is not remembering those situational moments. It's remembering the identity change. My parents said, hey, I will do my best to raise this child as a follower of Christ. And the church community did the same. Hey, we will walk alongside this family as they raise this child. You're one of us, and we're going to do our best to show the love of Christ to you. The collective memory of that beautiful moment. And sometimes we are so busy with life that we forget that, that we need these times of remembrance. That's what remembering baptism is all about. Remembering our new identity of Christ. Remembering who we are and what we are called to. That these waters that pour over our head, whether we dunked or sprinkled or poured upon, are transformative moments. And it can change who we are. And so when we were baptized, we may not remember that the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit fell upon us. And God was saying to us too, this is my child, this is my daughter or my son who I am well pleased with. At the moment, whether you're a child or an adult, we are called to something bigger than ourselves through baptism. We are ordained to the work of Christ in our lives. This week, um, well, the past couple of weeks, one of our church members has been really sick in the hospital, Evelyn Vance. But each time I go there, I see some of us sitting in the hospital room with her. Someone in her Sunday school group sent out a sign-up sheet, and people are sitting with her for four hours at a time. Who wants to sit in a hospital room for four hours just to hang out with somebody? There was a time that she was on a ventilator. She couldn't talk. So you're just there maybe with your book, your iPad, scrolling on. I mean, the hospital is not really a fun place to be, but these people chose to be there. Why? Because Christ has moved in their lives. They reminded that their life is not just about themselves. There's some sacrifice. There's some death that happens to their own selfish needs, to new creations, to care for other people. Carolyn Westerford says, at at baptism, we are incorporated into Christ's body infused with Christ's character, empowered to be Christ's presence in the world. So then ministry is not just something in particular that we do. It's what we do about everything in our lives. So right now we have a bunch of confirmands. I think there's 28 confirmands upstairs in building five, getting a little orientation to find out what confirmation is all about. Then next weekend, they're going to be at Down Home Ranch for a retreat for the weekend. 28 parents are going to be getting up early in the morning, driving their kids to Down Home Ranch. There's going to be adult and high school volunteers with them for that weekend. They're giving up their time, their resources, maybe their sanity a little with middle schoolers. 
to teach them what it means to be loved by God, to teach them what it means to follow Christ. And then a couple of weeks after Easter, in our sanctuary, they're going to publicly say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. And we will baptize some of them for the first time or help them remember their baptism. And they're doing this. They didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I want to go through confirmation. They've seen their peers go through it. They've seen how they've been loved by you. They see that our church is someone that takes their time to build beds for kids who would sleep on the floor otherwise, to go out to Panama, go out to Sierra Leone, Africa, who makes a difference in our own community and the world around us. They've seen it lived out, and they want the Holy Spirit to move in their lives so they can be people when they're old enough, when they have their own kids, to say, hey, this is what the Christian faith is all about. And like Jesus, our own baptism calls us to empower us to empty ourselves before God. As we begin to find ourselves at this water, when you dip your hands or someone puts the the form of the cross on your head and says, remember your baptism, something powerful, something transformative in our lives. Baptism is God's gift to us as a church, as the the family of God. But it's not something we do. Because as United Methodists, we baptize babies. And that song that the band just sang about the goodness of God coming after us is why we do that. We firmly believe that God's grace is moving in our lives, chasing us down before we even realize it. And that's what we recognize when a baby is baptized. And like I said before, the the family and we as a community are going to do our best to remind them that, show what it means to have God's grace actively move in their lives so when they're old enough, they can say, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Baptism is this means of grace, and we're going to participate in another one through communion. It's a new beginning in our lives. No matter what you've done, no matter what you think, how far you've fallen, God's grace is there for you. It's God's gift to us each and every day. Sometimes in Methodisms, we say, I have been saved, I will be saved, I am being saved, that God is always working in our life. His grace is always moving toward us. But we don't only do baptism once because we recognize that God's grace is there and has been there and will always be there in our lives. So none of us know what 2024 will bring going to, and I hope it brings blessings in your life, that you get that next promotion, that you get that perfect parking space every time you come to church. Your seat is always open, so you don't have to push people away, Kara, because that is your seat. I hope that your family just grows in love with each other, but I hope we at church is more than this feel-good feeling when you leave that we continue to be a church that is on mission with the redemption of God to us and to the world around us. Continue to be a people that reflect the love of Christ. When people around you, they say, there's something different about you. You're handling this stress, you're handling this anxiety, you're handling what's happening in the world in a unique way. What's going on in your life? And you have the ability to, to share it because Christ and the Holy Spirit is moving mildly in your life because of the waters of baptism. 
that we continue to be a place where young and old, every class and race can gather together to be a people who goes out into the world and shares that love, both with our stories and both with our missional work throughout the world, to find that we are meeting God's unique people in profound ways, to be a people that makes a difference in the world each and every day. That, what, that is what God has been doing at our church and what God will continue to do at church. This is why we get up on Sunday mornings to be a part of this, to remember this, so we can be a people who impact the kingdom of God and the world around us. Let us pray. God, what a joy it is to be a part of First United Methodist Church of Round Rock. The waters of baptism are so transformative in our lives. And we are so grateful that your grace is coming after us each and every day of our lives. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So we move to a time of communion. So Jesus was gathered with his disciples in a room and he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat and remember my love for you each time you eat it. When the supper was over, he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Every time you drink it, remember who I am and my love for you. I'm gonna invite those helping to serve communion to come forward. We do communion through intinction, meaning someone will break off a piece of bread and you with open hands will take it. Because grace is not something we have to grasp after, but is freely given to us. And you'll take that bread and then dip it into the juice. We're gonna have some stations with some water here. So before or after you receive communion, someone will put the sign of the cross on your forehead and say, remember your baptism. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at F-U-M-C-R-R.